Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church on this glorious morning here in South Florida. We welcome all of you to be with us this morning. I do hope everybody had a great Christmas yesterday and uh, you have a chance to enjoy the rest of these holiday uh, days between now and uh, what what the United States we celebrate as the New Year, which will be a week from yesterday. Let's begin now by entering into prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his birth in Bethlehem and what the angels declared about him. Thank you, Father, that he was born of a virgin, born human, and yet was the son of God from all of eternity and always will be. And now joined with a resurrection body, totally human, totally divine for all eternity now. And he's our savior. Thank you for having him die for our sins. And thank you for raising him from the dead. Thank you for making the gospel of salvation a simple matter of believing the truth about the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, today we would pray for every one of us. In fact, all of the body of Christ in this country and around the world. We pray, Father, that as times move forward into these perilous times, that every day we would be able to lift our eyes up from the terror and horrors of this world. And they are there from the temptations and just to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author of our salvation. And we ask today for the Holy Spirit to mentor and teach every one of us and to guide us here and when we leave to the truth and the application of the truth of your word. In glory and honor to you and your son. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I have a couple of announcements this morning before we get started. Um, First of all, I know I had mentioned last Sunday that Rich Freeman was going to come in January. Well, in light of the situation with Omicron, he has asked that we postpone his visit, that his visit be postponed until the fall. So I'm sorry for that disappointment. We're already working on the date for that. He will be coming. It'll be in the fall, which isn't so bad because it will be around the time of the of the fall feasts of the of the in the calendar, in the Jewish calendar. Also, continue to please keep Peter and Ruth Ruth Morrison in your prayers. Um, A couple of announcements on schedule. Um, Thursday, we will have Bible study. And once again, it will be on uh, Skype only. Next Sunday, we will have a service. And uh, look for a text in the middle of the week about whether it will be in person or not. I hope it will be. We'll have to just, we're keeping an eye on, by the way, we're not um, arbitrary about this. We do keep an eye on some basic stats about the the spread of it and the hospitalizations. And so if that's looking good midweek, uh, you'll get a text and say we will be in person. Otherwise, if it's looking bad still, um, we won't. So just keep an eye out for a text midweek, probably on Wednesday, so that you uh, can find out whether we'll be meeting in person on next Sunday. All right, at this time, let's begin. By the way, I do want to remind everybody that uh, we do record our, our service on Sundays. And, and in that light, I would ask that if you have a microphone and it's not muted, that you would mute it at this time. And also that if you have a if you have a camera, please also mute that or disable it at this time. Thank you. All right. So this morning we are going to finish our series, our, our short series on Messianic prophecy. We got here out of the Gospel of John, which is our, our main study our book that we are studying from verse by verse because in chapter 7 of the gospel of john the subject of the messiah is very prominent the christ from the, the christ in the greek christos is the same as the hebrew word for messiah the anointed one and with that we then began the series that we've seen uh and i've stated that the story of the messiah runs from genesis through revelation When we started this short series on the Davidic covenant, which is the mainstream, as you were, of the the Messianic promises, we started in Genesis. We started, remember, with Abraham and the promises the Lord made to him about his seed and about the nation that would come from Abraham's loins and how all the peoples of the world would be blessed through that seed. And we also studied in in uh, also in Genesis, how the Lord revealed to Jacob that one of the twelve tribes, one of his sons, 
would be the one through which the royal line would be carried. And of course, that's the nation of, uh, sorry, the tribe of Judah. And in fact, that was the tribe from which the Messiah would be born. And then we find in David that the Lord makes a promise to him, to an individual, that one of his descendants would sit on his throne, David's throne forever. And he would have a house. And that means a dynasty, a line that would always have the right to rule. He would have that. He would have he would have a throne that his descendant would sit on. And that, again, is the is the, the function of ruling itself, governing and, of course, a kingdom. That's what that's the that's the Davidic covenant. That's what we've been focused on. Remember that. That um, the Davidic covenant, three pieces to it. First, that David would have a house or a dynasty. Second, that his kingdom would endure and that his throne would be established forever and that one of his descendants would actually sit on that throne. The title of today's message, Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. From Genesis through Revelation, it's all messianic. Today, we're going to see how in the New Testament, there is still prophecy. This event that is actually documented in Revelation, right? The last book, Genesis to Revelation, is pointing about an event that is still future for us. Still future for us. Hold on a second. I'm not sharing my screen. That is unfortunate. So let me figure out how to do that again. Let me go back to Skype. My apologies. Um Okay, let's see. Says says stop sharing, and I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to start again. Okay, let me see. All right, here we go. All right. I wanted just that someone can let me know that that is, in fact, so you're seeing that at this point in time, I'd be appreciative just to make sure you can see these slides. Mark is very diligent to let me know, and that's why I knew. Um, and so I'm going to let him let me know again. All right. So in any event, let's continue. In, not yet. Okay. <laughs> um, behold, he is coming with the clouds. You'll have to trust me on this. That's the slide this up now. It's it's a quotation from from Revelation chapter one, verse seven, Revelation chapter one, verse seven. And we'll get there today. And again, the Lord is is from is uh, providing prophecy in the Bible from the very beginning in the book of Genesis, where. The Lord promised Abraham that he would have a descendant, that that descendant would bless all the nations. And then that there would be a land covenant that he would uh, one day his his descendants would receive the land of the covenant of uh, what we call the uh, the the Palestinian covenant. And um, then, of course, the, the promised seed would go through the line of Judah and then through the line of David, and I am taking it that you don't see my screen yet, but um, trust me, it's on there. Let me see if this is going on here. Well, this is on. This is a little. Okay. This is why we need, by the way, keep praying for us to have a place to be a permanent place to go, because then this wouldn't be necessarily happening, because technology would be out of my hands and in the hands of somebody who knows what he's doing. Um, so hold on a second. Um, if 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 I can't get this to work I'm, at this point, I'm just going to uh, apologize and go forward because I, I, I do not want to interrupt the message itself much longer in order to get this to work. One more time. OK, I'm going to try one more time. And then I'm just going to keep by the way we do at the end of service. Uh, we do post all the slides. Um, and, and as I've mentioned many times before, um, uh Paul, when he preached, he, he never never had a PowerPoint presentation. So I think we'll survive. But in any event, um, I do apologize that uh, this is not working out um, this morning. So um, 
This is it. This is it, folks. This works. We're in business. If it doesn't, my my apologies. And we'll go from there. All right. All right. I'll try to let you know what's on the screen. But in any event, we're going to continue now. Got it. We can see it. Oh, praise the Lord. We got it. All right. Praise the Lord. Yep. Now mute those microphones. No, I'm just all right. Well, that is awesome. Now, see, that you had to take my word for it. Now, you're going to see with your own eyes. And that is the fact that um, the title of today's message is. Uh, I can't get it to change. The title of today's message, again, is Behold, He is Coming with the Clouds. This is, again, in the book of Revelation. The Bible is messianic and, by the way, is prophetic from start to finish, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Again, to, to, to review one more time, the Davidic covenant, the promise of the Lord that was given to King David, that he would that his house, his dynasty would endure the right to rule the kingdom. He would have a kingdom that would endure. Now, we saw before that that kingdom all right, was given to David and his son Solomon received it too. And then it was split after that. And then after the exile, there would never again be a kingdom on in terms of actually um, in effect, but the kingdom would not would, would be there for the future when it would be brought in through David's descendant. That throne would be established forever. Now we saw we have seen in this series that the covenant was anticipated. Right? It was anticipated before it was given to David. And that's the prophecies to Abraham and so forth. It was established with David. And then it was confirmed in the Old Testament, in the Psalms and in the Old Testament prophets. And now we're looking at how it's fulfilled and it's fulfilled in the New Testament, although it is fulfilled in two parts. One of the ways is historic. The other is prophetic. Even in the New Testament, we have prophecy and that prophecy is still in effect now. It hasn't happened yet. The complete fulfillment. When, when the descendant of David would actually sit on David's throne in Jerusalem and have a worldwide kingdom that will endure forever. So we started to see that. And one of the things that becomes obvious when you get to the New Testament, not obvious in the Old Testament, is that this king comes twice. The first time he was born of a virgin, died on a cross, raised from the dead. The second time he will come. He'll come on the clouds of heaven. He'll be riding in a white horse with heavenly armies to defeat the enemy nations and receive his kingdom and rule on David's throne in Jerusalem. The New Testament itself brings these new revelations about Jesus who's come and prophecies. We don't, we don't ordinarily think about the New Testament as having prophecy, especially messianic prophecy, but it sure does. And we'll see that this morning. New prophecies about this Messiah descendant of David. So, again, there's two parts of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. The first one, this is what we saw last time. New Testament records the historical fact that the, the first part of the Davidic covenant being fulfilled is a fact now. Because why? The Messiah did come. Not only that, but he's identified now. Right? This, this one, this seed of David, his name is Jesus. He grew up in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. You see, that birth of Jesus, the fact that he came and, and he's the God-man and that he was born of the line of David and that he was revealed to be the Messiah. So his identity is, is, is sure now. We know exactly who he is. His name is Jesus. This is a partial fulfillment of the Davidic covenant because we see this we see the descendant but not yet as he says he actually ruling on on, the, on his father David's throne well today we're going to complete this series and we're going to look at the second stage of the fulfillment in the New Testament and that is is concerning prophecies there are prophecies in the New Testament and they concern this what we call the second coming of the Messiah the second coming of the Messiah when he comes back in the future, that Messiah will completely fulfill the Davidic covenant. Now, we begin this morning with a very timely passage, and that is Luke chapter 1, 
verse 26. It's timely because this is the passage of the birth of Jesus Christ. We actually, on, on the Christmas message last Sunday, we, were, we saw this passage. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a very popular passage this time of year in Luke chapter 1. And, and yet, not only that, but it is also a highly significant passage, highly significant for the Davidic covenant. And its fulfillment. So I'd like you to turn there with me now to the the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin. Engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. Notice the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high, God's son. And the Lord God will give him, notice, the throne of his father, David. There it is. The partial fulfillment of the Davidic covenant is the the fact, the historic fact that the Messiah has come, that his name is Jesus, that he was born in Bethlehem. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. The angel instructs Mary to name her son Jesus. In other words, the identity, the identity of the Messiah is revealed. That's an important part of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. After all, the Old Testament ends and the question is still hanging there. Who will this descendant be? Who is the Messiah? And that's, that is revealed when in the New Testament, particularly in the Gospels. That's what the angel Gabriel revealed to Mary. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah. Not only that, but we also we also see right here in this passage a prophecy. Let me emphasize that a prophecy of the complete fulfillment of this covenant. What does that mean? It means that it didn't happen yet. Now, not only did it, had it will, will it not have happened in New Testament times, but as we know, it still hasn't happened yet. And we'll see today Jesus is on the throne, but it's his father's throne and it's in heaven. You know, that's not the throne of David because the throne of David is on earth. You'll hear me say that a couple of times more. But the prophecy is clear that the Lord will give the baby Jesus. I say it that way because at the point in which this is revealed, he is an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That baby, the Lord God, will give the throne of his father, David, the throne of his father, David. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. An exact restatement of the Davidic covenant. Jesus of Nazareth, born of a virgin, son of the Most High, is the descendant that the Lord promised David. The Davidic covenant was partially fulfilled by the birth of Jesus. But what what Mary couldn't have known and didn't know, and what the New Testament subsequently reveals it unfolds in the new testament is that the promises of the co- the promises now the fact of it the identity of, of david's descendant known revealed but the promises will not be fulfilled in her lifetime what does that mean the promises having to do basically with jesus sitting on the throne of david ruling his kingdom and ruling it forever that hasn't happened yet still why because first of all and we've, we've seen this already, her son would have to die. Her son would have to die. Now, they, they, that was in the Old Testament, okay? And it was, we've seen it in the, in the book of Isaiah, this servant that would suffer and die for the transgressions and, inequ- and iniquities of his people. That's the same person as the Messiah. And we saw on Thursday how the two lines of the servant and the king come together. By the end of the Old Testament, they're coming together, for example, in the prophet Zechariah. But that won't be, it won't be clearly revealed until the New Testament. This son would die. This is the son of God, her son, die for the sins of the world, be raised from the dead. 
and then be seated at the right hand of his heavenly father. And that's where he is today. He is seated at the right hand of his heavenly father on his father's throne. That is not the same throne as he will receive when he returns to earth. The Davidic throne, the, the throne of his father, David, is not in heaven. It will be on earth. But Jesus will return, and when he does, he will then fulfill all the promises that God made to David. All right, that's the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. We're now going to head to Matthew 25, where we see an astounding passage in the Gospels. I've mentioned a couple of times that Jesus, um, that, that, that the New Testament has prophecy in it. Jesus, by the way, we now know, from the book of, of, of Luke, chapter 1. He's, he is the Messiah. He is the promised king. He's the king. But I don't know whether you remember this or whether I, whether I really emphasized it, but the fact is that th- there's a promise made to Moses in the Old Testament, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, that a, there would be a prophet like him, spoke, speaking directly with God, who would come one day. And that and that is, Jesus is also that prophet. And in Matthew 25, which which we're going to read next, Jesus foretells, notice this, Jesus foretells the complete fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Jesus, in his office as prophet, see, there's prophecy in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives prophecy, think of it, Jesus gives prophecy in the New Testament. So what, what, now what, what kind of prophecy is it? It's very unique because he is prophesying about himself. Isaiah never did that, right? But when Jesus comes, now he, he is also a prophet, and he is one of the major prophets that reveals what will happen when he comes back and, and where, what, 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 when the Davidic covenant will be completely fulfilled. Matthew chapter 25, notice in verse 31, Matthew 25, verse 31. Starting in verse 31, Matthew 25, 31. Now, to set the stage, the disciples that asked Jesus, and this is in chapter 24 of Matthew, wanted to know, hey, what's the sign of your coming? And when will these things happen? Now, it's you can read, actually, it'd be, it would be fruitful at some point, if you can, if you'd like to. Um, Matthew 24, and he actually has a description of his return. But what I will focus on this morning is the fact that that return will fulfill the Davidic covenant, that the king will come and he'll have a kingdom. And that's why I'm turning to Matthew 25. Here, the description, when he comes back and all the nations will be judged, he will have the authority to judge all the nations. Look at Matthew 25, 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Jesus speaking about himself now. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, notice it's the angels that come back with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another, the nations now, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Okay, now, Notice what's, what is said next. Then the king. Why do I emphasize that? Because the Davidic covenant is fulfilled when the king comes to sit on the throne of David. And there you have it. In verse 31, the son of man, which is a title for the Messiah. Son of man is a title for the Messiah. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then future with respect to when Jesus gave this prophecy, as well as still, then when he comes in his glory, he will sit on his what? Glorious throne. We have, we have the identity of the Messiah and we have him sitting on his glorious throne, the throne of his father, David, the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Jesus is prophesying about the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, which he will, in fact, fulfill when he returns. So he has a throne. He's the the promised descendant in the dynasty, the house of David. And notice he will have a kingdom. Look at verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, in context, by the way, 
These are the Gentile nations uh, who are believers, and it's evidenced by how they how they come to the aid. Uh, this is not our subject, but the ones that come to the aid of, of Israel in the worst time ever to be on planet Earth, the tribulation. That will be that will be an indication that they are believers in Christ. Okay. But anyway, that's not our subject. But again, verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed of my father. Inherit what? The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The kingdom has been a certainty from the foundation of the world. Another astounding thing to think about. Right? It's astounding when you think about it in terms of Israel, that before the earth was even created, God the Father has established the fact that there would be a nation of Israel and that they would they would go through all that they went through and all they're still going through with Jewish people. And yet there would be a kingdom that has been prepared for them from the foundation of the world. And there will be a generation that will inherit that directly, generation of, of primarily born-again Jewish people, but also the Gentiles. Because remember, Jesus was promised a kingdom that was not only what David had, all right, the, the house of Israel, the 12 tribes, but in fact, he'll rule the whole world. He'll rule the whole world. And we've seen that um, in Isaiah, in our study of Isaiah. So again, he will fulfill the Davidic covenant and he will be the king. He will be the king. But before that, he had to come and die for the sins of the world. And that's why I'd like you to turn next to Mark. Chapter 14, verse 61. Mark chapter 14, verse 61. Now Jesus is on trial. It's the night before his death on the cross. The high priests in the council of Jerusalem are gathered. The high priest speaks. His goal is to get Jesus to say something that would seal his doom, that would be a reason why, an excuse, quote, evidence, for why he should be put to death. Look at Mark chapter 14, verse 61. But he, this is Jesus now, on trial, he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest was questioning him and saying to him, are you the Christ? the son of the blessed one. Are you the Messiah, the son of God? This is the question. Now we know the answer. But here we're going to see that. Now remember the high priest is a representative of the nation of Israel. The Christ is the Messiah, the son of the blessed one, the son of God. And now Jesus speaks. And what does he say? I am. Don't let anyone ever tell you that Jesus never said he was God. And don't let anyone tell you that he, he didn't think he was the Messiah. In those two words, you blow those lies away. Are you the Christ, the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one, God? And Jesus said, I am. But notice what he says next. And you shall see. What is that? A prophecy. You shall see the son of man, the Messiah, sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Those are two uh, citations that Jesus makes of Old Testament scriptures. The Son of Man, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Father, and then you will see the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Notice there's there's two elements here of the prophecy. Essentially, Jesus is giving a prophecy for the for, for himself and, and where he'll be, starting with his ascension when he ascended into heaven after he was raised from the dead and the disciples saw him rise up into a cloud. And then we know that he was seated at the right hand of his father. That's where he is right now. Okay, on the throne of his father, not the throne of David. And, but that's so then that's. That's a long period of time from the time that Jesus is, is, is ascending into heaven all right, until, until now and until another event. Well, that next event will be his return. 
He will be humming with the clouds of heaven. Those are both quotations of Old Testament scriptures. But notice here, we have both the partial and the complete fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. It's all here. What an amazing passage this really is. He's identified, right? That's the partial fulfillment. I am the Christ. I am the son of the blessed one. And then the the complete fulfillment when he comes with the clouds of heaven. Jesus said, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. He said he is the son of God. He said that he would soon ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of his father, the throne of his father. That quotation, the son of man sitting at the right hand of power is a very significant one. It happens to be Psalm 110. All right. You can check it out. Psalm 110. That's you know what? Let's go there because um, this this particular psalm, this these particular verses are cited again and again and again in the New Testament. I believe it's eight times. Always talking about where where Jesus is right now. It's using connection with Jesus trying to convince his audience, the Jewish audience that he comes upon at one point, that in fact, the promised Messiah is also the Son of God. But let's look at Psalm 110, starting in verse 1. Uh, it's not. It's, this is an audible. <laughs> I don't know if they call it anymore in football. See, when I was when I was younger, um, back before the Civil War, no, uh, the, the football they would have what's called an audible because they didn't have all the communication. What that meant was the coach had called a play, but then the quarterback gets up to the line of scrimmage and then he looks out and he says, "Oh no, no, no! There's a, there's something else I want to call instead." So that's what. Anyway, all right. Psalm one ten, starting in verse one. The Lord says to my David is writing, the Lord, that's God the Father, says to my Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Son of God, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your, that's that's Jesus, strong scepter from Zion. He will rule from Jerusalem. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Another incredible passage, by the way. We see the same thing here. In verse 1 of Psalm 110, it has to do with where he is now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. The Father is going to make his enemies a footstool for his feet. In other words, he'll gather them all up together. When Jesus comes back, Jesus will will issue the, the blow that will wipe them all out, all the enemy nations, and then ultimately what we call the beast and the false prophet. These are references to the future. And then ultimately Satan himself will be defeated and thrown into the lake of fire. Sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And that, that again is that's the, what Jesus was saying when he said to the high priest, you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of power. This, this actually happens seeing the, the son of man the fact is that after Jesus rose and was sent and seated at the right hand of the Father, there was one who, who saw him not sitting but standing, and that's Stephen, the first martyr. You are the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One, are you? Yes. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power. Psalm 110, 1 again. The Lord says to my Lord, God the Father says to the Lord Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Then verse 2, the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. There's the complete fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Partial in verse 1, complete in verse 2. And again, I want to emphasize that in verse 1, that when he says, sit at my right hand, that's the Father's right hand. That's Jesus sitting on the throne of his Father. Not the throne of David, the throne of his father, heaven. Throne of David will be on earth. Throne of David doesn't appear till verse 2. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion. See, Zion is on earth. Zion is Jerusalem, saying rule. Rule in Jerusalem in the midst of your enemies. That is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. It'll be on earth. All right, Jesus is in heaven now. 
seated at the right hand of his father, the throne of his father. Then he will come to earth. He'll be seated on the throne of David in Jerusalem. All right. So then, so again, Jesus prophesied. Let's go back. Okay, now let's go back to Mark chapter 14. Let me give you the citation again. Mark 14, back to verse 61. I'll give you a moment to get there. I wanted to show you that when Jesus Jesus quotes two different Old Testament passages, one Psalm 110, Messianic Psalm, which we saw, okay, that he would that he would ascend to heaven and be seated at the throne of his father, not David's throne. That's his throne on earth. And then finally, Jesus prophesied about the far future. Not for us necessarily, but far after the day that he spoke these words to the high priest. He will return to earth. He will be seated on the throne of David. And and that's again the second part, coming with the clouds of heaven. Now we're going to see that passage in the Old Testament. It's the last passage we're going to go to today. And that's from the prophet Daniel. Well, after Christ ascended into heaven, he then called an apostle that hadn't been with him when he was on earth. His name was Saul of Tarsus, and Jesus renamed it. Well, actually, his name became Paul after he received his mission from the Lord. And his mission was to go to the Gentile lands, the Gentile nations. But, you know, even though he was the, 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 the apostle to the Gentiles, Thank God he was, because most of us are here this, this today, and most of us are Gentiles. Some of us are Jewish. But but Paul was sent out, basically, to preach the gospel to the entire world, to both Jew and Gentile, out of whom believers in that message would become the church, the body of Christ. But it's interesting, because even though he's the apostle to the Gentiles, when he went to any Gentile city or town, he would always go to the Jews first, then the Gentiles. And one day he arrived in a a place called Pisidian Antioch. I'd like you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Notice that we're now leaving the Gospels, okay? We're going to the book of Acts. Now, we've seen in the Gospels, okay, that, that... the Messiah has come the first time. He's identified as Jesus. And then and then we see Jesus himself issuing prophecy about the future when he would return, prophesying about himself. So now we're leaving the Gospels and we're going to the book of Acts. And it continues. We continue to see prophecy about the Messiah coming again. Paul is preaching now. Acts chapter 13, verse 32. We're going to see a a part of the sermon that he gave that day. Acts chapter 13, verse 32. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers. Wow. The promise made to the fathers. Well, the promises to Abraham, the promise to Judah, the promise to David, the fathers. That God has fulfilled this promise to our children. Notice what an interesting expression. God has fulfilled this promise to our children. In that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. By the way, that's a messianic psalm that is quoted here. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. God fulfilled when he raised up Jesus as is written in the second psalm. God speaking, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse 34. Oh, notice, by the way, that the begotten happens at the resurrection. That's that's a little thing that sometimes we don't notice. But he was raised up. And that day, the Lord said, the God said, you're my son. Today I've begotten you. And I resurrected from the dead. As for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. God the Father speaking again to to Jesus Christ the Son of God. I will give you the, notice this, the holy and sure blessings of David. Isn't it remarkable that in the context of the resurrection of Christ, David, King David, is brought up. And that's because, again, 
he is fulfilling the Davidic covenant. So, so what did God say? First of all, he said that Jesus, whom he raised from the dead, fulfilled Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. We're not going to go there, but just note that. It's a messianic psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. That comes from Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. He had fulfilled that already. Okay, I have begotten you. But then, then David, I mean, then Paul continues, as for the fact that he, God the Father, raised him, Jesus Christ, from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. God the Father speaks again, I will give you, I will give you, and notice the timing here, notice in the second psalm above, he's written in the second psalm, you are my son today, today, fulfillment already done, already fulfilled, I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no longer to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. In other words, the fulfillment, the complete fulfillment of the Davidic covenant will occur in the future. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. So not only did, did God the Father say that he that Jesus fulfilled Psalm 270, he also says that in the future he will he will fulfill the prophecy. This comes from Isaiah chapter 55. You can note that. We're not going to turn there. Verse 3. If you want to find out more about Isaiah 55, just come to Bible study on Thursdays, and we'll be there really soon, I think. And so in the future, the Lord Jesus Christ will fulfill prophecy from Isaiah and receive the holy and sure blessings of David. Now, the question then is, what are these blessings? God says, listen, in the future, I'm going to give Jesus Christ the holy and sure, notice that, sure, certain blessings of David. It's certain because the promises that the Lord made to David through the prophet Nathan are unconditional. He said they are certain to occur. That's why they're sure blessings. And they're holy because they come from the Lord. What are these blessings? Oh, again, one, he'll be the king of all the nations. Just like Abraham, God said, the Lord said to Abraham, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Jesus will sit on David's throne. And not only that, but he will bring in the blessings of the messianic kingdom. These are the blessings of David that are certain to happen. There's a lot in the Old Testament prophets about what these blessings are all about, about the nature of the kingdom. Now, we don't have time today. That's a whole subject of itself. I just want to turn to one passage, and it's Amos. If you go to the Old Testament again and go to the prophet Amos, and we're going to begin in chapter 9, verse 11. Amos chapter 9, verse 11. The holy and sure blessings of David. The Lord said that to Jesus Christ, that one day he will give him, Jesus, the holy and sure blessings of David. Now, let's let's see what some of these blessings are as described for us by the prophet Amos. Prophet Amos, you know, he was one of the earlier prophets. I believe it's the 8th century B.C. And he was a prophet to the northern kingdom. Because remember, when the Lord Jesus comes back, there won't be any southern kingdom of Judah, northern kingdom of Israel anymore. The 12 tribes will all be together in the same kind of kingdom in, in Israel that David ruled over. Okay. Amos 9.11. In that day, I will raise up the fallen booth of David. In that day, future, and wall up its breaches, and I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it. As in the days of old, notice the reference to David. Verse 12. That they, the house of David, may possess the remnant of Edom. Edom was their sworn enemy, representing all the enemy Gentile nations. All the nations who are called by my name. Now there will be a remnant of believers of all the nations of the, of the earth. And that the nation of Israel 
the fallen booth of David that will be raised up. All the nations will be possessed by that house of David. Who are called by my name declares the Lord who does this. Verse 13. Now let's see the holy and sure blessings of the messianic kingdom. Verse 13. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper. Now, if you if, if you know about agriculture, I know very little, but I know this much, that the plowman does his work in the springtime. He's preparing the soil so that, so that the seeds can be planted. The reaper is at the end of the story in the fall when he goes into the fields now mature with grain or whatever they're growing, grapes, and then he collects, he reaps all of the, all of the production of the, of the, of the harvest. So it's a so it's a remarkable thing when the plowman overtakes the reaper. In other words, the, the land will be so so uh, productive and fruitful that there'll be ongoing this whole thing about the plowman and the reaper. It'll just be a constant thing. Okay. In fact, so this is a miracle when a plowman overtakes the reaper. That's how fruitful, how blessed the agricultural produce will be for this kingdom. And the same thing, the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. Again, treader of grapes, that is done when the harvest is ripe, sowing seed at the beginning. When the mountains, the, listen, just think of the mountains will drip sweet wine and all the hills will be dissolved. What an amazing thing. And I will, verse 14, I will restore the captivity of my people Israel. Uh, they, they will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will also plant vineyards and drink their wine and make gardens and eat their fruit. I will also plant them on their land. This is the land that grant that was given all the way back in the book of Genesis to Abraham. I will plant them in their land. They will never again be rooted out from that land, which I have given them, says the Lord, your God. The promise, the hope, the holy and sure blessings of David will be seen, experienced, given, enjoyed in the Messianic kingdom. Which, of course, is also part of the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, a house, a throne and a kingdom. Well, remember, I'm, we're seeing today already that it's not just the Old Testament that's that's press prophecy. The New Testament does as well. We don't think of it that way. And not only does, is there prophecy in the New Testament, there's messianic prophecy in the New Testament. The prophecy we saw that Jesus gave, messianic, in the sense of talking about when he's going to come back. But there's one book, and only one, in the New Testament that is prophetic from the start all the way to the finish. It's com a completely prophetic book. Everything in it is prophecy. Just one New Testament book. And hopefully maybe you can guess it, but it's the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Think about this. The very last book of the Bible is 100% prophecy. There you have it. One would expect the prophecies in the Old Testament. And this is our thinking, prophecy in the Old Testament fulfilled in the New. That's certainly true. But, you know, there are some prophecies in the Old Testament even, that were not fulfilled in the times of the New Testament. And not only that, but here you have the end of the, the end of the New Testament, the end of the book, the end of the Bible, and the last book is 100% prophecy. What does that tell you? That there are prophecies that have not been fulfilled yet. And as we're going to see, this shouldn't surprise anybody, but the prophecies of the, of the Davidic covenant are still in the, the, the prophecies that end the Bible, that, it, that, that they will happen. But after, it foretells, the prophecy foretells the time when Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of the earth, and that's how he's identified in the book of Revelation, you know. He's not identified as the head of the body of Christ. He's identified as the ruler of the kings of the earth. The earth, Why? Because it's talking about the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, the fulfillment of the promises that have been made to the nation of Israel, that he will return. This is what the book of Revelation is about. 
It's about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he defeats all his enemies. It's a prophetic book, the book of Revelation. He, he will come. He is the ruler. He will be the ruler of the kings of the earth. And he will return with the clouds of heaven. And he will take his seat on the throne of David. Please turn now to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. As Revelation begins, you know, um, it's clear that this is a book of visions. At the very beginning of the book of Revelation, we have an angel. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is a revelation about him. and, And he sends his angel to John. And then he... John was given testimony and visions. It's a book of prophecy. And now in verse 7, we see that there's a prophecy about the kingdom, about the Lord coming back. This Jesus, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the one that has made us, made us a kingdom. He has made a kingdom. I don't want to get into all the details now, but this is focused, really a focus on Israel. The kingdom that he has made. Also, of course, that kingdom will be included, the Gentiles there, Gentiles on earth, not the church. The glory and the dominion forever. And then look at verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Behold, he is coming. He's coming back. He's coming a second time. This also was in the prophecies. It was in the prophecies in the Old Testament. Jesus talked about it himself. When he described his return and his and judging the Gentiles when he was before the high priest, and he talked about the fact that he would become with the clouds. And now we see it in the book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, prophecy. And every eye will see him in the future, even those who pierced him, the crucifixion. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Well, we have one more quotation from the Old Testament here in verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. This is when this happens, this will be a fulfillment of the prophet Daniel. And like this will be the last passage we'll turn to this morning. I'd like you to turn to Daniel now. Chapter 7, verse 13. One of the things I tried to do in this series is to give you a, a sampling of a variety of the prophets. So you could see that it's not just Isaiah, for example, and Zechariah, it's Daniel, it's Amos. Here we'll look at Daniel. Because the angel of Jesus Christ, when he when he quoted this in John, he was quoting Daniel. Look at Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. By the way, Daniel was taken to exile in Babylon. Daniel was uh, rose to be one of the most powerful, influential men in the whole kingdom of Babylon. And it was he was given these visions himself about the time to come, when the nation would come back into the land, when the Messiah would come. Yeah, this was so. So he he was given this, by the way, at that time to encourage. And build up the hearts of, 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 the, of the Jews that were in Babylon. Daniel 7, 13. A vision. I kept looking in the night visions. Behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days. That's God the Father. And was presented before him. And to him was given dominion. Glory. And a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. There we have it. One more statement about 
the Davidic covenant being fulfilled when the Son of Man comes on the clouds of heaven and will be and, and will be given dominion, the rulership, the throne over all the earth, glory and a kingdom that all the nations, men of every language might serve him. And, and just like the Lord through Nat, the prophet Nathan promised David, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Jesus, of course, will fulfill this as the Messiah when he returns to rule the nations. The promises to David were anticipated in Genesis with the covenant that the Lord gave Abraham, and the prophecy that Jacob gave about Judah. The covenant with David was established in 2 Samuel. After that, it was confirmed by the psalmists and the prophets. It was partially fulfilled in the historic records of the Gospels and Acts. The book of Revelation prophesies its complete fulfillment when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to reign. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible is messianic. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this supernatural, amazing, rich book. We thank you, Father, that we we are blessed as those who are in the church age to have the complete package, the prophecies in the Old Testament, the partial fulfillments in the Gospels. We see also, Father, that you gave us the, the incredible letters of the New Testament to tell us who we are. And and all the amazing blessings that you have given us as the church, the body of Christ, we thank you for that. We also thank you, Father, that we have in the very last book of the Bible, the most amazing prophecies about Christ's return. Father, we also again want to thank you for the Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, his ascension, he's seated with you now. We thank you also, Father, that, that you have presented in your word, in every book of the Bible, the story of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we ask, Father, that that would be in gratitude for all that you've given us, the complete revelation, the things that you've prepared for us. We just ask, Father, that we, that gratitude would stay in our hearts and that would motivate us, Father, to want, want others to also enjoy these tremendous blessings by, first of all, hearing the gospel and by believing it to be given eternal life. And then to be here, to be enriched with the truths of your word so that they, so we may grow as a body and that we may be those lights to the world. In fact, and including um, bringing, to, bringing the Jewish people to jealousy over the blessings that we've already received that they are promised but haven't received until the millennial kingdom. Father, we also at this time want to ask that you would imprint on our hearts the truth of the gospel once again, that that every human being has fallen short of your glory and we've born dead in our sins and you gave us Jesus when we were your enemies to die for us and you raised him from the dead after he was buried and on the third day you raised him from the dead and so that now whoever simply believes in Jesus Christ will never perish but have eternal life. And we also ask Father this morning that you continue to watch over your, your church here on earth and, and in particular all the folks that are in our congregation and particularly those who are going through very difficult times right now. We pray for them in particular. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a reminder that Bible study this Thursday, 6.30, Skype only. Service next Sunday, the day after New Year's. Um, I, 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 I think we're going to, in fact, let me just say, okay, at this time that we will have service on next Sunday in person. I'll update that with a text, but at this point, our plans will be to have new this next Sunday service in person as well as on Skype. All right, let's close one more time. Father, as we end in this year of 2021, we, uh, we know that next year will have its challenges and that we will be faced really every day with distractions that try to take us off the, the simplicity of devotion to your son. But, Father, let, let, we, let us not be those who would succumb to that. And the, the solution to that, we know, Father, is to be 
concentrating on the promises of your word and not to be looking at the things below, which will just discourage us and fill us with fear. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Have a happy new year, everybody. Um, hopefully you can join us on Thursday on Skype. And, and I really hope that you can join us next Sunday where right now we're planning to be in person. Have a great day.